The Koigig Pod. Emma Bird is in tears. Keeping you up to date with all this summer's football in Australia. I can't believe it. We've finally done it. Subscribe to The Koigig Pod on the Off The Ball app now. OTB AM. The Sports Breakfast Show from Off The Ball. Are you still right to be disappointed after yesterday? I think, not, yeah, and in the in, not just in the context of that, but in the context of you know Ireland going to the World Cup is kind of was an impossible dream, a once in a lifetime thing. Yeah, look, hopefully it, it's not now. Uh, potentially it is, um, but it's and I know you feel a little. It might seem a little bit churlish after fifty years of you had not you know not being able to dream even of playing in a World Cup to then be disappointed that it's over in six days, but. It is okay to be disappointed because Ireland got a tough, tough, really tough group. They could have, they played reasonably well. They could have done some things better. They did some things well. Um, but it's still okay to be disappointed that that wasn't enough. And not in a kind of a Roy Keane, uh, ah, you know, if, you, if you're happy with a sing-song to go home, etc., you'll never achieve anything. Yeah, I don't really mean it in that sense, really. Cheese it's pizzas. Just, it's just kind of disappointing. Yeah, it feels like we we prepared as well as we possibly could in most aspects. Um <clears throat> I think maybe we were a bit unlucky with the Denise Sullivan injury. She hasn't played to her potential and we needed everybody to like smash it in terms of their own performances um, if we were going to get out of the group. And yet we still got pretty close to getting a point on the first day against the host nation. Yeah. Who are a top 10 team in the world and we came pretty close to getting a point yesterday. Yeah, uh, we got horsed with the draw. I mean, we got two of the world's top 10. I think that's the only group in which that's been the case. And you're looking at Group A with New Zealand, who are relatively weak co-hosts, Philippines, Norway, this kind of amazing circus, but not a proper football team at this tournament. You think we we did get really unlucky with the draw? It's a hell of a start to the game yesterday, and like with the, the Heather Payne late withdrawal too, that would not have helped matters at all. But Anya Garman did very well at the start, and it was her ball down the right flank after three minutes for Lucy Quinn. And you're saying you're shouting to Quinn on TV like first time swinging in, and it was just a low cross into Crusa, who had a brilliant first half. Like Buchanan was, I'd say, delighted to be whipped at the break because <laughs> she would not leave them alone. Like it was everything that wasn't happening against Australia. She was trying to do exactly what she actually achieved against Canada, which was harrying the defenders and pressing them. And like, let's be clear, that's a star-studded Canadian defence that they have. Certainly, in the clubs they represent, and you have Carusa who. Um, did an incredible job up front on her own and they couldn't handle her and as a result Ireland got a good few chances and then to score directly from the corner but how mad is it that for the last week people have been talking genuinely about McCabe being close to scoring directly from corners Well, like twice against Australia it looked very close to it like in fairness you see something happen a good few times like oh one of these is going to go in I know but to keep on going and going and trying it again and like I don't know if McCabe all three times that she, well, the two times she nearly scored and the one time she did, is directly going for goal. I'm sure she's just whipping it in to the 60-yard box and causing havoc. But like, as soon as that left her foot, I was thinking, this is a great chance. But she knew it. Like, she was away. She was yeah, away. She took, she was, she took like one step to check the angle. You know, like a golfer stepping out of a bunker to get a side of the ball dropping onto the green. And then she was just like, ah, oh, that's in. I can, I, can keep, I can keep going here. I think she. I think she completely meant it. Definitely. Uh, and it's also. I didn't realize it was these girls are called an Olympico. I saw. I saw Kathleen telling Joe that, and Joe didn't know, and I didn't know. No, I, she said it confidently. I must challenge her on that now. <laughs> she definitely knew that confidently. Uh, uh, and it to, and it comes from hundred years ago, ninety nine years ago. Uh, some Argentinian guy whose name I cannot remember scored directly from a corner against Uruguay, uh-huh. uh, and it's called an Olympico because they were the Olympic champions at the time. Yeah, which is obviously. Canada's status in the women's game at the moment so there's, it's a pure Olympico in a way like a pure hat-trick 
is right foot left foot header. Yeah, this is this is pure Olympico. So Katie McCabe will always will always have that. It's uh, it was Ireland's Ronaldinho moment, the World Cup, straight in, and there would always be the question: Did she mean that would be the next question? You know, when she's interviewed in a couple of months' time, did you actually mean that, Katie? When the dust is set? No, obviously you say yes. Uh, well, I mean, <laughs> did Ronaldinho say yes? I, mean, I still don't. Kevin McManaman says yes. Ronaldinho. That's what's important. Oh yeah, um, totally. And then McCabe had her, you know, Zario Unzari. Yeah. Speaking of um, Ireland captain performances, like it, it was reminiscent of Roy Keane against the Netherlands in 2001, that second half, ah, where yeah. she picks the ball up on the right flank and cuts inside two, I think it was four Canadian defenders she went around. And afterwards, was it Tony O'Donoghue who asked her in RT, was like, were you tempted to go down for a penalty? And she's like, ah, no, this is who wanted to score an amazing goal. And she was she so did, close. Uh, she did say that, had there been contact, had there been contact, they would have gone down, Tony, but there was none. And, uh, even when it took that little deflection, I thought it was going to sneak in bottom corner. And there was a moment afterwards too where she lost the bottom of the field but won it back and it was pure hustle. And then she shot from distance and it went over. But you could see she was trying to grab the game as much as she possibly could, like Keane against the Dutch. Like, it was an incredible performance. And not one that personally deserved to be on the losing side, but Ireland did not warrant getting anything from that game. Canada were so much better in the second half. Yeah. Sorry, I thought you were going to butt in. Sorry. I think one all at half time is an injustice. And then yeah. had it been 4-1 yes. Canada yeah. full time, I'm thinking, nah, you can't really argue with that. Thought they I... did create a lot of very clear-cut chances and we didn't really. I mean, the, even in the first half when we played well, scored the magnificent Olympico goal, Kier Cruz had a one-on-one that was blocked. Yeah, tough angle. Were there any Sinead other? Farrelly had the outside of the right yeah. volley which um, Sheridan put behind for a corner and was it Denise O'Sullivan had a poor enough shot from distance by her standards yeah. technique wise there weren't a whole but lot of I thought Canada were so poor in the first half especially their final third passing with respect though right we always get hammered in international football and it always finishes 1-1 or 2-all <laughs> that's what happens we, we draw games that we're supposed to lose against teams who are better than us like no one ever with the exception of 2012 hammers us in these games right uh, yeah and, uh, under the relatively small sample size that is out of the World Cup you can't argue with that no and, and most of the other tournaments uh, sorry the Belgians hammered us as well Denmark um, well sorry Denmark's playoff yeah um, oh no that doesn't count <laughs> that's not real uh, so Vera Pau it seems in the papers it's like there's just this acceptance from the people who are out there that there won't be a new contract that this is the end of the Vera Pau era now in the game against Nigeria is that the right thing to do yeah I mean it's f- in one sense, it's very strange. Like you know, this is Virpay has clearly done a very good job as Ireland manager in the sense that she's got us to a bloody World Cup for the first time ever. So it seems kind of harsh to say then, you know, much. farewell. <laughs> We're going to move on without you. Um, but you would have to say that the FAI haven't the FAI haven't given her a contract yet, which is unusual. From <laughs> well, this is what we usually do. We usually, I mean, managers and their agents yeah. usually tie this down yeah. way ahead of time uh, and a bonus. <laughs> Uh, Mick Mick obviously got his secured before the World Cup and then had to be torn up within two games after it Uh, the IRFU have been doing this for years Uh, I think Eddie O'Sullivan and Declan Kidney I'm I'm just going off memory there Um, but yeah so uh, you you were using the word before the the FAI's newfound maturity and letting this uh, letting this play out and see how it goes but um, I kind of think she should stay given she had yeah. done such a good job. I can't help but, uh, speaking of rugby comparisons, it's like uh, Vera Powell and Joe Schmidt have a similar impact. I mean, obviously Schmidt uh, achieved so much like in the grand stage, but it's the way that Powell has turned us into this incredible kind of 
systemic team almost like that we have we're a very tough unit to break down and I know we've lost those two games but it is like against Australia and Canada like they're way better sides look at them on paper look at the players that Canada brought on a half time alone versus what we were able to bring on so in many ways she, as a unit we're performing above what we should but it's the individuals that we lack and the Schmidt comparison I mean is that you know he was so tailored to a system that there was very little room for individual creativity and maybe that's the negative point of Europe House approach to things and you feel that there is maybe a lack of uh, innovation and space to kind of create but at the same time perhaps we just don't have the talent especially in the final third to be able to do that but I think we should be very like happy with what Pau's done for the site Kenny the dad says Vera Trapatoni (laughs) yeah that's the one I hear more I just like to be more positive I don't think she I don't think she looks down the players like the way Trapatoni did no I I don't think she does. Um, no, she diagnoses them more accurately more and is less, uh, uh, you know. I, my back five is slow. I mean, yeah, the, uh, like that, that's, that's one yeah. number more than Trap would have said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but the back five is slow, but they are qualities at the same time as what she's saying. I do. I think that she believes in the players. I think there's a different honesty. I do. I do think that she believes players. in the players more, and it seems like she's actually believed in the players more as she spent more time with them. That uh, the performances were a bit more front foot than I had expected. Definitely yesterday. Yeah. 100%, yeah. And so that's a sign that you trust your players a bit, unless the players are just like doing a But they were coming from a low base. Like, I mean, they barely crossed the halfway line until they went behind against Australia. Yeah, I know, but they nearly nicked the draw at the end against Australia. Yeah. I mean, like, they didn't have a corner till the 70th minute and then they had half a dozen. So they did get there eventually. I mean, that's classic Ireland at a World Cup performance. I know. Backs against the wall against superior opposition and then when you create chances, like, it really fits in nicely to Going back to like that reading in the years moment, like if that Queen glancing header had gone in against Australia, that's a classic Ireland one all. Yeah. And that first half display yesterday, if there was one or more, two more chances and obviously a goal or two uh, scored, then you're talking like what a tournament Ireland have had. It's kind of fine margins. The only disappointment was how quickly Ireland faded in the second half and how Canada were, like, I think Joe said to Kathleen on the World Cup show yesterday, it kind of reminded him of Limber Curlers at the moment, is that like, all right, lads, we aren't great there in the first half. Let's actually start playing the second half. And that's yeah. kind of what happened. Uh, who is going to be the new manager? I like. I, I don't know. The, the interesting thing about Pau is that I thought that there might be a bit of a slightly more fraught debate as to whether we should or shouldn't extend the contract. But like you said, there just seems to be a general air around all the reporting around it is that it's this is probably done now. Like, yeah. You know, maybe you move on. And look, maybe, in fairness, maybe it's, it's more opinion than reporting because no, yeah. no one's actually said that they've spoken to anybody off the record or on the record or it's just a, like her her contract looks like it won't be renewed. Yeah. Although she wanted it to be. Yeah. Opinion is kind of often informed by a bit of, bit of knowledge of what's okay. going on in the background. Okay. Um, like, it's it's a more attractive job now? Massively attractive. I'm a massively attractive job. Yeah. Like, uh, this is now like, if you take the Ireland job, you're walking into a team that has legitimately world-class players in Katie McCabe and in Denise O'Sullivan. The, the sad thing is that we haven't really seen that from Denise O'Sullivan at the World Cup. You still get the sense that you're on an upward trajectory. Like, I mean, the, your first game could potentially be... Sorry, it feels kind of harsh. The power's still on the job. But if there is a new manager, uh, their first game would be at the Aviva, um, which you would hope would get a... you know, Well, they obviously will aim to set it out, but hopefully get like 35,000 plus for that. Mm. Um, and you've got a team that kind of has a real good shot now draw depending on making the Euros luck sorry is this not really premature to talk about the end of Europe no I mean well I sorry my personal opinion is yes but there's a general vibe out there but even the talking vibes, about the vibes indicate 
the, the Nigeria game could be your last game yeah but like who's going to be the manager for the Aviva friendlies geez like Mick McCarthy got two games after the 2002 World Cup now they got to the last 16 yeah but and like, it leads me to think yeah. are, are we going to get extenuating circumstances are, are, it didn't work very well uh, well that's not uh, the entire next campaign was a write off after that that's what I mean but uh, like I don't think there's a write-off uh, question about Pau. She's clearly going to continue to have this really good system in place. I don't think we're going to fall off a cliff. We don't really do that under Pau last couple of years. I, I just think it's a bit premature. Also, like I'm also thinking, there's going to be a homecoming here. Like, Are people going to come to see these players when they come there home? There is going to be a homecoming, yeah. Uh, Dublin City Council are putting that on. Um, good question here from Mark Dunning. Given we can't qualify now, should wholesale changes be made for the last game to give everybody the opportunity to play in a World Cup? Or... Do we go all out to win the game and play our best eleven? Uh the f- the former. I think you ca- I think you have give to everybody give everybody game. Oh yeah, I think so. I mean, like the one of the issues around this. Well, from, it's only my personal opinion. It's just like uh, the very clear segregation between first team and second team. Yeah, to the point that the first team flew out to Australia a day in advance. Uh, because that was the only way that everyone could get on business class. So the top players went, so they'd have an extra day to to acclimatise. I think, given it's so historic, the Ireland going to first World Cup, that it's such a big thing to be involved in. Um, I think you, I think you give players their shot at playing in a World Cup rather than just going along. And if we get hammered five or six now, sure we we don't get hammered in World Cups. Like, I know, but I refer to your. I previous, know we know we don't put our previous comments. B team either though. Uh, I think I think you. I think you rotate a bit, yeah, and I think I think it'd be brutally harsh on some of the players who've come through what they have. Thinking particularly of Chloe Mustaki, and then just to go and sit on the bench for three games. Don't think that's fair. So make five or six changes. Yeah. Keep keep Katie. Oh yeah, <laughs> I'm not going. Sullivan. We're not going that mad. Uh, no, totally. Yeah, absolutely. Courtney Brosnan. Uh, yeah, oh, yeah, I know. Yeah, keep Courtney Brosnan. Keep Katie McCabe in the team. Um, but ro- yeah, rotate beyond that. Do you think the result against Nigeria? is going to determine Powell's future. I think I think, I think the point so. I think the vibe the vibe across the papers and across all the uh, opinion formers uh, is that it's kind of done or it seems to be done. Sorry, I I'm probably getting ahead of myself a little bit there, but I don't know if I'm going to get pumped 4-0 which won't happen. Maybe that changes things, but right And look, the, I mean things could change very quickly afterwards they, on the way home they might decide actually this has been a great experience. There's something building here. They take soundings from the players who afterwards go, you know what, uh, this relationship is hard, but uh, good for us, it mutually beneficial, Yeah, and we should stick with it. And there is a risk. I mean, if the FAI do want to change up, there is a risk. Because like you say, I mean, Pau does guarantee Ireland a certain base level of performance and thus achievement. And it just comes down to do we need... It becomes a conversation like we've had with the men's team for a long time. Yeah. Do we need to add something more to this that gives us more in an attacking sense. There's a, there's a ceiling there for sure and I, I don't get a sense of huge warmth from the squad towards her but maybe that's just her style and look, that is effective to a certain degree but yeah, like, there's a ceiling that's going to be hit but I don't think we're there yet. Alright, Kathleen McNamee is with us. Kathleen, good morning to you. How are you? Morning guys, I've been enjoying this conversation the last few minutes. I have many thoughts. Well, <laughs> spill the beans. Uh, I agree with Gavin. I don't think beer is going to last fast the World Cup um, the vibe on the ground is very much that she's run her course with this team I think there's a few players in there who wouldn't be too sad to see the back of her either I think it's like yeah she got us here and she's done that but I think especially with all the controversy that there's been as well over the last like 
couple of months. I think the team need a clean slate. It's been such a bumpy ride into this World Cup. And I think the players are kind of tired as well of asking answering questions on behalf of like the management team and having to go through those things um i think the substitutions that she made last night and the way she put out the team shows that maybe she has reached a bit of a ceiling with the side um and i also think we have to go out and win that nigeria game 100 that should be the aim like no we shouldn't just be putting players onto the pitch when getting that win is so important for this team i think uh, maybe substitutions later on in the game, but I wouldn't go and making any wholesale changes. Uh, okay, there's a lot in that. Um, is there an obvious <laughs> candidate list? Is there, are, are people talking about a replacement already? Yeah, well, the word, like the talk on the ground out here very much has been like what's going to happen because I think even before the team went out to Australia, there was a feeling that unless something really remarkable happens during this World Cup, it possibly would be Vera's last campaign with the team. Her herself has said that, you know, she wants to stay on, but the way things have ground to a bit of a halt before they even went out to the tournament in terms of talks. And I honestly, just like looking at Vera the last couple of weeks, I think she herself is exhausted from everything over the last couple of months. You know, she hasn't had that, wannabe that she's had around her for a long time and I feel like some some of the players when you ask her about her now the responses are getting a lot less emphatic and a lot more surface level and the you know there's no one on the team running out to say we absolutely want Vera to continue on past this World Cup and I think that's quite telling. Yeah, there's there's definitely been an absence of the uh, ringing endorsements at various stages, and there's been plenty of opportunity for it to happen. Well, famously, well, I say famously, but most notably, Katie McCabe sitting beside her at Tala um, before the France friendly. Um, after all those, um, after the Athletic article kind of reheated all those allegations from from the Houston Dash Time that were put in that NWSL report last December. Um, I think there's definitely respect there, but there's there wasn't a full throated. We're 100 percent by Vera here. Why are you fake news media talking about this rubbish to distract us ahead of the World Cup, etc., cetera, etc.? Cetera. Yeah, even even the post match interview yesterday, McCabe with uh, Tony Donahue who was you know effusive in her praise, but her teammates and how great they were. And Kathleen, I think you talked about it in the World Cup show that you know her individual performance in the second half is extraordinary, but only helped by her teammates, which is what she said. But at the same time, she eventually yeah. got to the point that like, well, also big credit to the staff because it's a collective effort, but there's no mention of the manager there really explicitly. Do you get the feeling, Kathleen, that uh, Pau is kind of hurt or disappointed by the squad's approach and feeling towards her? Or is she the type of character that really won't care about that and it's her way or the highway? Uh, I I definitely think she's a it's her way or the highway type of manager. I think that if you look at the way the squad, like exactly what you were saying there, the way the squad had talked about her previously compared to how they talk about her now, like I don't think I interviewed a single person or heard a single person last night pull Vera out for, you know, what she had given the team or how she had set up the team. It was all the team talking about themselves or talking about other players. I think like if it, uh, if the whole thing ended badly with her, I do think there would be some hurt there. But I think if it's a case of everyone saying, okay, we've just come to the end of this journey, where do we go from here? And you guys are right. There is the massive question around, well, then who takes over? But I do think this team needs something fresh going into that Nations League possible Euros qualification campaign. 
because I think there's just been too much that's gone on and there's too much baggage over the last couple of months for Vera to stay on. And I get the sense there would be a bit of disappointment if she did stick around for a long time. Like maybe they will give her the Northern Ireland game in terms of just having like that big kind of homecoming game and, you know, one big hurrah. But I, I would be surprised if she stayed from what I have heard on the ground here. Okay. Um, now that the dust has settled a little bit on the performance yesterday, is there anything that we could have done differently in that second half, do you think? Uh, not made a substitution at halftime. I didn't understand that. I thought Lucy Quinn was doing a really, really good job. I think that for me, a lot of the substitutions didn't make a whole lot of sense. It felt like Vera had read some of the criticism like in the lead up to this game about not using certain players and then threw a lot of them on. I know we did like tactically change things up a little bit, but it just felt like we had found a system in that first half and we should have stuck with that for like a little bit longer before throwing the bucket things. Um, in fairness to Canada, I think their substitutes came on and did incredibly well and really dictated the game. But like Emma Byrne was pointing out on Koi Gig last night that that central midfield area was so important for them. And whenever they took out, whenever they brought in Christine Sinclair and we took out Lucy, it left us like a little bit lax there and that we didn't have the, we weren't able to like, let's say the likes of Farley and O'Sullivan run right the way that they had been in the first half. So um, I think there's definitely questions to be asked about the personnel changes and why they came when they did. And I mean, like the last 20 minutes in particular were just kind of a one woman Katie show. Uh, I think she was trying to single handedly drag us into the Nigeria game with something still to play for. Uh, and we just don't have the depth. We don't have the depth mm. that Canada have. You look at the players that they brought off the bench, you know, none of them are the sort of players that you would turn your nose up at. We, I thought Kira Caruso was so good in the first half and really, really showed what she was capable of and played the role that we wanted to see from her in this World Cup. But she just doesn't have the of someone like McCabe like there was one moment uh, in the second half when McCabe and Quinn were battling in midfield and somehow McCabe got the ball away and like a beautiful turn and that's when she got the shot off that looked like it was going to be a McCabe screener if you had a player up front who could do something like that who could get themselves away from those tricky situations I think that it would make a big difference for us in terms of where we get our goals so I think it was a depth issue mainly that saw us not have that clinical edge that we needed when it mattered most. Kathleen, what formation should this Irish side be playing based on the personnel? <laughs> Million dollar question. Uh, I think what we saw in the first half yesterday is probably as close as we will get to a formation that suits the way the team plays. Like, I think that when you have players like Sinead Farley who can hold the ball as well as she does in those central areas and then also McCabe on the wings. Like there was a couple of balls going from Lucy Quinn over to McCabe on the other side of the pitch, which were just absolutely sublime. Um, I think if we can get a system like that that works, get Carusa like firing a little bit more, 
um, I think it would be really beneficial to this team in terms of how the personnel that we have and how well we can play. I think bring Mannion into that team as well um, in terms of getting a bit of pace out from the back and a player who can, you know, keep the ball at her feet really, really well, isn't afraid to take on defenders. I think if we had a player like her in this tournament, we probably would have got a result from either of these two games that we've played. And like surely push Megan Connolly up further, yeah? Because it feels almost like... Yeah, so like Connolly... Yeah. Yeah. So like if a player like Manny came in, that would free Mm. Connolly to go up into her usual position. Uh, I mean, like she said it herself when we chatted to her in Marbella. It's not a role she particularly enjoys playing, but she does it because, you know, that's what's required of her in the team. Um, so yeah, I would be interested to see if a new manager came in, would they stick to the kind of Vera Powell, five of the back, Katie Blaine on the wing, not being pushed further up the field, or would they change it up a little bit? Are there any potential candidates obvious at the moment, or is this one of those... Uh, we hire a, a global recruitment specialist team who go the whole way around the world and then find somebody who's working at Navistan at the moment? Uh, uh, from what I've heard, there's not a shortlist at the moment. Okay. It, like, it'll be interesting to see how they approach it in terms of the fact they got Vera Powell in and, like, on quite a decent wage. And that was just two connections in the FAI. So it's going yeah, to be interesting to see what they do if they do decide to change things up. Uh, what's your final review of Perth as a place? Um, I'm told out near like Fremantle and stuff is really nice. The weather has been atrocious since we have been here. The city itself is really, really quiet. Um, I talked to a lot of Irish fans yesterday who were all a bit in shock, I think, after going from Sydney to Perth in terms of vibes. Uh, a lot of people saying they were very excited to get out, but also no disrespect to any Perthians who may be listening in. I maybe just didn't see the right parts of your city. It's basically like Port Leash. And I'll always have paid big I quite like Port Leash, though. <laughs> well, there you go. You wanted to have a go, Kathleen, for confidently uh, knowing more about football than you? Was that what that's what your story was earlier on about the Olympico? What? 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 No, uh... Uh, I was uh, watching the World Cup show uh, which was held for Joe and I was like Joe I was like it's an Olympico what you knew about this beforehand I had never Wait. heard about this at all uh, Gav was telling me about it too beforehand Sorry. never heard of it yeah I, I think it was actually one of the proudest moments of my career that I like, knew <laughs> a sporting term that Joe Malloy did not know yeah, I, I thought it was really common knowledge like I didn't think it was this weird sort of thing Olympicos are relatively common in women's football so maybe that's why like there's been a couple of very good ones over the years in big tournaments. Um, like I, I think in the Euros last summer, I saw one or two. So maybe that's just where I knew it from. But I'm glad I could educate you all. I mean, the arrogance, of, the arrogance of the statement with the, the coat on and the coffee in the background. Like, she's just wearing that very well. Come here. Did Katie I was going to say, like, forget covering my first ever World Cup. Forget any of the rest of it. Getting to see the first ever gold. This, this is the highlight. This is the true honour. Forget everything I said last night. <laughs> Did McCabe mean to score? No, not at all. Oh, not what? a chance. What? What are you ta- Why is she kicking it in the direction of the gold if she's not trying to score? Well, like, as in, she was trying to get the corner in, but she wasn't trying to score it. And, like, we asked her about it last night, and she kind of sheepishly was like, yeah. Like, she wasn't. Sorry. 
the consensus down here is that she definitely wasn't from everyone I was talking to. She was like, oh, because of the wind and the rain, she didn't really, she was trying to like judge how to get it in. And she, when we asked, she was just like, yeah, of course I was trying to do it, but you can see in her eyes she wasn't serious. Uh, Just trying was, to get it on the end of someone's those head. Words, those words are good enough for me. Yeah, I think I I I believe we her. We can't say if we end up going to our first Women's World Cup, Kathleen, and we only score one goal, we can't come home saying we didn't mean to score it. Uh, we have to. Uh, <laughs> not an accidental goal. Not, not to kind of throw out all the ethics of journalism, etc., and print the myth and not the truth, etc. But we can't come home saying we didn't mean to score that goal. <laughs> I mean, I know she meant to score as in she wanted Ireland to score. I'm just not sure if she entirely intended Semantics. it for herself. But, uh, it's all very, uh, you no, know, judgmental. I'll live, in the, I'll live in the dream world for a couple more days. I was, uh, yeah, I, I think I blanked out for most of that, to be honest. All of a sudden the game was started again and I was like, did we even celebrate that goal? I can't remember. Kathleen, good stuff. Chat to you later. Thanks a million. Bye, guys. Have a good morning. Yep. Kathleen McAmey live from Portleash this morning at a minute past eight. <laughs> Uh, some of the quick things we did talk about Jamie McGrath uh, Wigan didn't pay him a couple of times last year and so therefore he's available as a free agent now this is don't, don't blame him had been in Scotland wasn't it was it Dundee United he had been at uh, and as soon as he was playing regularly he was back in the Irish team you know so Stephen Kenny wants to pick him so uh, Scotland has been good to him maybe he'll end up uh, end up back there has definite use in the Irish team so good for him to get out of Wigan yeah Okay, and then uh, Kylian Mbappe has decided not to speak to the club in Saudi Arabia this is a, a good political move from Kylian Mbappe who sometimes makes bad political moves yeah look I mean first Mbappe like he hadn't relegated him to a lower himself to a lower level of football in return for boatloads of cash in almost a year so it's obviously good that he's uh, <laughs> he's on a journey of personal development it's, it's such a weird story <laughs> Go on, yeah. it's such a weird story um, it makes no it makes no real sense that he would go there uh, other than just for the money um, like the PSG thing PSG are hilarious around it I mean he was going to go to Real Madrid for free last year uh, in a position of weakness and desperation they had granted him this huge two year contract effectively seemed to make him a kind of a pseudo sporting director while they did it and now he's talking about I'll see out my fi- the final year of my contract uh, and then go to Real Madrid and PSG are saying you can't do exactly what you said you would do this is an outrage yeah sorry he's not playing at a high standard of football as it is yeah I know I mean, whatever but the political aspect and the morality issue. He's not testing himself anyway. I suppose at least he's in the Champions League. Yeah, but the, like how many games that like the group stages don't matter really. Like even if you have uh, an elite team. Well, in the they reached the final in middle of COVID. So, you know. That, but that's a, you, you have a few examples. But for a player to that esteem, like Macron said, he's a national treasure to be protected at all times. We yeah. see him about half a dozen times a year. Uh yeah, but the French, the French team. <laughs> they see uh, every week. Yeah. Every week. Yeah, every week. Over there every they play. Strolling they, through games. There are like, other teams that they play strolling matches. Strolling through games. Yeah, but like it's like uh, this is easy for me. You know, not every league has uh, 15, 16, 18 teams who are good every week. If he's one of the best ever, he should be playing at the highest level, and he's not. So everybody should always just try and join Real Madrid. You could have a number of teams. To also, play. Manchester United also acceptable on your list. Well, I wouldn't say that at the highest level now, would I? But uh, they could play. You could play for a number of clubs. It's not PSG. It's too easy for him. Um, FIFA on amateur level. Okay, uh, Jordan Henderson training, of course, in Saudi Arabia yesterday. This is this whole thing is weird now. Like, obviously, we've gone through the kind of the moral rights and wrongs of him leaving. 
But so he has left. He's like he's now training with a new team. He's filmed this video. Did you see it last night? He got this kind of uh, kind of expensively produced video of him reading a farewell script in the Anfield dressing room and walking kind of solemnly around the empty ground. Liverpool haven't announced it yet. I kind of interested in like because Klopp has loved this guy, you know, mm. and Klopp seemingly put a lot of noses out of joint above him to give him a contract extension a couple of years ago, and now they got uh, all that money back. And yeah, and like Klopp, I would imagine it's been a little bit betrayed. So we haven't seen anything on the Liverpool website. You know, when Roberto Firmino left, there was they did this kind of ten-part HBO farewell documentary series. So he produced uh, his own, and it's not official from the club just yet. No, okay. they haven't announced anything yet, which is so weird. Uh, did you ever find Pep Guardiola's goodbye to Barcelona when he was a player? No, it's mad. There's like a similarly produced video, which I I don't know why. So it might have been one of those. Um, uh, UEFA produced magazine shows around the Champions League it's like I never saw this at the time but it's very like I'm very important around here and and uh, didn't he he went to join Udinese I think Brescia I think Brescia didn't yeah. he go to the Middle East then OTB AM The Sports Breakfast Show from Off the Ball